You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. And as you've been seated, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, amen. It's good to open the Word of God. And verse 13, and it's a bit of an introduction to what I'm sharing about. A little while ago, and, and now it's, you know, when I say a little while, it could be almost two, three years I shared on a, isn't that interesting, South Africa, we say things like now, now, in a little while, but it could be a, I shared on, on, on something that had happened in my life where I was uh, on the ground uh, in a um, nature reserve and I was charged by a lioness and even though I had a lot of knowledge and understanding on how to deal with this particular situation, um, it all sort of went out the window very quickly. And my first instinct was, where's the biggest tree? And how slow is the slowest runner next to me? And those sort of things. And it made me very much aware of the fact that there are times in our lives when we think we're in faith. We think that we should be seeing the breakthrough that we're praying God for and believing God for, and we're not. And that's because... Although we think we're in faith, there is something missing. And then it is important for us because God's word is never wrong. God is always true. And so if God has said something and we believe in God for something, if something's not happening, let me examine what else is in my life so that I can shore up any weaknesses. And I'm going to use this encounter that Peter has with Jesus and the disciples have with Jesus to illustrate that even Peter had a flaw in his life that he was unaware of. Now notice that God chooses Peter. It was Jesus who said to Peter, come follow me. So Jesus is always right. He's chosen the right person. And Peter has followed that means that there is a level of faith in his life. But this encounter reveals something that is lacking in Peter's life. And without shoring up this, without changing this, he's always going to be stuck at a certain level of his faith. So what happens? And I'm going to be reading it from the, the Passion Translation. And it starts when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples this question. What are the people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they believe I am? And they answered, Some are convinced you are John the Baptizer. Others say you are Elijah, reincarnated, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And I don't know about you, but I, I love reading. I, I do a lot of reading. And when I read, I, I try not to just see it as facts on a page. I I like people. I like interacting with people. And so I, I begin to see this situation a little bit differently. Jesus is, is asking his disciples, who have you been talking to? Okay, who have you been talking to? Because all of these answers come out of who they have been talking to. They are the people on the ground. They are walking amongst the people and some of the people are sharing with them. And I can understand from this that they don't know really who Jesus is. When he asked them, who do you say I am? All of them shut up. They weren't prepared to commit themselves to one particular answer. Okay? And when Peter does, Jesus says to him, you didn't even have that answer. God gave it to you. 
So they weren't sure. They were walking with this man and they were seeing all these miracles and they were hearing things and they were talking with people and how easy it is for people to influence our understanding and how we respond. The world will always look to try and influence the followers of Jesus. And so Jesus says, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. And I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. And I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm, to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is in, released in heaven. Say this, Jesus said we would be given the keys of the realm. Now I understand that I've heard this taught many times before, but it, the, the keys often represent authority. Okay, But notice it says keys, not key. Okay, So there are things that we need to understand that will open authority in our lives. And then he gave his disciples strictest orders not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And from then on, Jesus began to clearly reveal to his disciples that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer injustice from the elders, leading priests and religious scholars. He also explained that he would be killed three days later and be raised to life again. And Peter took him aside to correct him privately. He reprimanded Jesus over and over, saying to him, God forbid, Master, spare yourself. You must never let this happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get out of my way, you Satan. You are a hindrance to me because your thoughts are only filled with man's viewpoints and not the ways of God. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. To imagine your own views. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. Continually surrender to my ways. You notice this is an ongoing process. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. I love the way that Passion Translation tells us this because it, it brings across to us very clearly that this discovery is continual and the change is continual. We are going through a metamorphosis. We are being transformed. It doesn't, the total transformation isn't an instantaneous process. Peter had got to one point and that level allowed him access into one area, but it didn't give him access into every area yet because he hadn't yet continually, continually changed to the point where he was seeing things from a kingdom's viewpoint. He was still seeing things from his viewpoint. 
All right? Now, other translations say this. Peter took him aside to correct him privately. I love the way that both translations indicate that Jesus t- Peter took him aside. It's good leadership principles, yeah, you know. We are always taught, you, pr- you correct privately, you know. He took him aside, so he's, go- he's showing good leadership. But he's not the leader. Oh, how often do we become the leader of our own Christian lives when we've decided we've reached a certain level and now we want to tell the Lord how he should be doing what he should be doing? He reprimanded Jesus over and over. There's another translation saying he reprimanded Jesus over and over. In the New King James, it says he began to rebuke him. That means the rebuke wasn't... Yeah, it began. That means it it was going to continue. Yeah, is Peter, the one chosen by Jesus, and he's out of position. He's out of position because he is seeing it from his viewpoint. Jesus said, you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. Continually surrender to my ways. There is a need for us as the children of God to be in a continual process of surrender to the ways of God. That means that God has ways and the world has ways. We have to see things from God's perspective. And one of the keys that Peter misses out on here is the word honor. All of the translations point out that he began to rebuke or reprimand or correct. He changed his position and no longer showed Jesus the honor due the son of the living God. He had identified him as the anointed one, not a anointed one, the anointed. You are the Christ. And he loses sight of who Jesus is And he doesn't show him honor due his name. He is now bound by his inability to see God's perspective because he's only seeing his perspective. Jesus says this in John chapter 5. He's just healed the leper, oh, not the leper, the paralyzed man of Bethesda. And when the Pharisees come and criticize him in verse 22 of chapter 5, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Can you see where Peter is out of line? He's not honoring God because he's definitely not honoring the Son. He allowed the, uh, the revelation that he had received to elevate him. He allowed himself to change his position based on, well, you know, I'm the one that got it right. And we can get a lot of things right. And the temptation the enemy puts in our way, because remember Jesus said to him, suddenly Satan stepped in. 
Once we start to get promotion, once we start to accelerate in life, we start to look at our position around us because that's the world's view. The world's view is we are now above. You know, you're getting promotion, you're getting success, you're getting an education, you're above. But God doesn't see anybody above on the basis of what you have acquired. It's who you are in Christ that positions you. Even in the kingdom where he says, I've given you the fivefold ministry, it's not a position above, it's a position to serve. And Peter loses sight of that. But he was chosen by God. So he's not the wrong person. He has to submit himself, as Jesus said, to continually be transformed. When we say... When we show honor to those who God has sent, we're in fact honoring God. In fact, we can say that our faith in God is revealed when we honor and we show honor. In John chapter 8, verse 49, Jesus answered again the Pharisees. It's always the Pharisees, you notice. <laughs> Why? Well, because he was taking away their limelight. They wanted the honor for themselves, but they wanted man's honor, not necessarily God's honor. In 49, verse 49, he says, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. You dishonor me. Wow. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. In verse 54, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. What Jesus is saying is, if God is your God, then you should honor those who God honors. Because once you recognize God in others, you automatically, by honoring them, are honoring God. See, the way of the kingdom, well, it's a kingdom. It's a kingdom. God has a kingdom. And he says, we are kings in his kingdom. If you go to any royal family, there's a protocol of honor that is required. If you're going to go meet the queen in England, for instance, you get taught how to say hello. You know, it's not just... okay. There's a, you know, a little cut, okay? If you go see the, the king in Natal, there's a whole protocol you go through before you can actually come in. Boys at, at an English school, yeah, in, or an Afrikaans school, we get taught to, to greet people with sir and ma'am. You don't know their name, it's sir and ma'am. It's not you. Auntie and uncle. All forms of respect and honor that come naturally to our culture. Certain cultures, as you um, go to buy a product and, and they take, receive something from you, you notice they touch their arm. It's an automatic sign of respect and honor. It's built into our culture. Why? Because God has called us to a kingdom where we are to respect and honor each other. And when I honor you, I'm honoring God. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, is a, one of the most, for me, um, 
powerful scriptures that come out because Samuel is growing up in the house of, of Eli in the temple. And Eli was called to be the, the God's priest. And his whole family was ordained to be the priesthood. And in verse 30, it says of chapter 2, it says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now, says the Lord, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, I shall lightly esteem. Oh. So God will not honor those who don't honor him. And in this family, the, the, the sons had begun to misuse the kingdom, the temple. They stole from the tithe. They manipulated the people. And Eli chose his sons. He should have removed them from office. But he chose to honor his sons and therefore dishonored God. And God, who, who, when he says something, he sees that it comes to pass. He said to him, Eli, I can't do that anymore. I will have to change the prophetic words spoken over your life because you will not honor me. That's a powerful, powerful understanding. In Malachi chapter 1, God says, As a son honors his father and a servant his master, if then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Isn't it interesting that God calls us and says, I want you to understand that in this kingdom, there's a need to show honor. And you need to show honor to me. Now, you and I are flabbergasted because, you know, truly, God shouldn't have to say that we should honor him. And yet Peter didn't realize that he was out of honor. He didn't realize that he wasn't doing what he shouldn't do. It is important for us that we understand that this became a blockage for Eli. It became a blockage to Israel. They weren't seeing the result of their tithes. They weren't seeing the provision of God. They weren't seeing the next level. They were still surviving, but they were going and beginning to mumble because it wasn't what they thought it should be. And they didn't realize that they were out of line. Eli didn't realize he was out of line. Our God's kingdom has keys. And those keys are so important for us. I'm going to show you so many different places in the Bible where it says that we should honor. Number one, we know very clearly, we must honor our parents. It's, it's a commandment. It's interesting, he's got ten things he wants to say to us. And one of them he says, honor your mother and your father, that you may have long life. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 to 3, that you may live long upon this earth. So even in the family that he sets up as a revelation of kingdom, a place in which there is Unity, a place where there is going to be generational prophetic inheritances to access those. Honor your mother and your father. 
So much comes down through the family. So much is carried on into generations. And how do we maintain that? We honor our mother and our father. Why? Because that tells us that whatever is coming down through that line is coming through God. And by honoring my mother and my father, I recognize that God has set me here. And because God has set me here, he has a plan and a purpose for me. Number two, we honor those we believe. Oh, we honor those who are around us because as we do that, we reveal the kingdom of God. John chapter 12, verse 26, it says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. There's a thing called double honor? Well, we all thought honor is honor. Double honor to those who work well with the, the word and in teaching. Aren't we blessed? All right. We get served well. Apostle Alan and Pastor Janine teach well. They study well. They don't go out and find their own stuff. They teach the Word of God. And we are, many of us, so blessed. We've received things from the kingdom that we didn't have before we were here. And the Bible says, double honor. In Romans chapter 12, it says, in verse 10, Be devoted and tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Try and outdo each other. I mean, I love the, the Passion Translation. It, it, it's so clear. He says that not only, you know, it, we, when we were in school, <laughs> you know, the, a person, we brought the apple for the teacher. Oh, you know, <laughs> you're a suction. No, you bring two apples next week is what the Bible says. Try and outdo the other person. Wow. The New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring. Be nice to each other. Recognize the God in the people around you because God didn't just call out me, he called the person next to me. And when I recognize and I honor that person, I'm honoring God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people. Sure. Honor all people. That puts the ignorance of foolish men on display. If we want to demonstrate kingdom, if we want to be different from the world, we need to show honor. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Talking about government, rulership. You'll never hear Apostle Allen say something bad about leadership from his pulpit. 
I've never even heard him say it privately. Our honor. Whether I agree with that or not, we're not talking about getting into agreement. We're not talking about obeying and doing things anti the word of God. We're talking about honor. Honor is shown through how I speak to you that I recognize that you are a person created in the image of God. You have a destiny. You have a call. And when I do that, I recognize that my faith in God is on display. Because God created you for a purpose. You may not be filling your purpose right now. You may be outside your purpose, but God created you for a purpose. You know, it's interesting that Leviticus chapter 19 verse 32 tells us that you shall rise before the gray-headed, talking about the elderly, and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. These things that seem to be slipping away out of society. It's the world's ways, but they're not the ways of the kingdom. And they are keys that we need to have to unlock the next level. There seems to be an impatience with people as they get older. The Bible says that we should show honor. Wow. Proverbs 14, verse 31 says, He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker. This is the New King James. But he who is gracious to the needy honors him. Insult your creator, will you? That's exactly what you're doing every time you oppress the powerless. Showing kindness to the poor is honoring your maker. Can you see that honor isn't given on the basis of what people have? Honor is given and shown because we have faith in God that you are created by the Father. And when we recognize you, we're recognizing God's creation and God's purpose. Number three, I'm running out of time. At work. 1 Timothy 6, Passion Translation says, Instruct Every employee to respect and honor their employers. For this attitude presents to them a clear testimony of God's truth and renown. See, the purpose is not to make them feel good. The purpose is not to get an increase. The purpose is to demonstrate God when we honor people. Wow. Tell them to never provide them with a reason to discredit God's name because of their actions. Especially honor and respect employers who are believers. And don't despise them, but serve them even more, for they are fellow believers. So Paul was seeing that, you know, there were, there were servants in households where the masters were believers and the servants were busy going, well, that means I should get more leeway, because you and I go to the same church. <laughs> actually, I'm supposed to actually show you more honor, because you and I are of the same household. Wow. You see, honor, well, what happens if, you, if my boss is not a believer? Well, Daniel's boss was not a believer. He was three different kings, starting from Nebuchadnezzar, who you know, God has to reach and touch. By the time he gets to Cyrus, God, he's already aware of what Daniel's God does. But Nebuchadnezzar, you'll find whenever Daniel spoke to him, 
He greeted him with honor. He spoke to him honorably. He gave honor to his position, even though he refused to do that which was not God. He did it in such a way as, I honorably accept my trip down to the lion's den. Because that's your right. You are my king. You can kill me. I'm going. I'm not calling you names. I'm not cursing you. Because you're getting it wrong and it's causing me discomfort. You are doing what you need to do. And God will do what God needs to do. And my faith is in God. Jesus turned to Pontius Pilate when Pontius Pilate said to him, um, you know, I have the authority to, to kill you or to lessen your sentence. And Jesus said to him, politely, you have no authority, but the authority my Father has given you. And therefore, by respecting you and going in this way, I respect my Father and I'm honoring my Father. He doesn't tell him, you know, Pontius Pilate, you realize what you're doing, eh? Hell burns, fires are coming up, you know. He simply says to him, the authority you have is given to you by my Father, and I respect that authority. In the home, in your marriage, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, in the Passion Translation, Husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be honored, for they are co-heirs with you of the divine grace of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You see, honoring your wife recognizes that this is God's appointment. I thought it was my choice. From the moment you said, I do, it becomes God's appointment. Even if you're not liking the behavior right now, it's irrelevant. It's God's appointment. And if God wants to change my wife, He'll change my wife. My job is not to change my wife. My job is to Love my wife and to honor my wife. Wives, of course, it says the same thing. In Ephesians 5.33, and I'm reading from the, the message translation. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, no, he feeds it and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife no longer too. They become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it at all. What is clearest to me is the way that Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how a husband is to treat his wife. Loving himself is loving her, and each wife is to honor her husband. When there is mutual honor, our children learn honor. When our children learn honor, they have a key that opens kingdom doors. It's a kingdom principle. So, if we ever find ourselves sitting in a situation where, you know, I'm, I have a scripture from God. I have my faith on that scripture. I am confessing my scripture. But my breakthrough is not coming. The Bible says that there are keys. Keys unlock doors. So if there's a door that is locked, I need to find out which key is missing. And sometimes the simple key is honor. I'm no longer showing the honor that I should. I've, like Peter, 
elevated myself to a place of knowledge and not faith in God. Remember Proverbs 3 says that if we honor God with our possessions, when we honor God, what happens? Our barns will be filled. So yes, we use it often to demonstrate how we should be giving to God, but the first thought is honor. My actions towards God, showing honor, fills the barns, unlocks the doors. There is a key that we need to understand because God has called us to a time of relationship, restoration, and reconciliation. And we think that restoration is what God's going to give back to us. But God didn't say that. He said it's a time of relationship, restoration, and reconciliation. It's a time for us to maybe restore things to our lives that belong to God. Not just what God's going to restore to us, but what we restore to God. Because if we restore it to God, it empowers Him to not just restore that which is stolen, but also unlock the next level to where we want to go. Amen. I trust we all got something this morning. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Guys, thank you for joining us. Well, let's stand and pray. Let's cement some of these things in our confession this morning. Let's come and honor God. Let's all say this. Father, this morning I've heard your word. I believe your word. And I ask, Father, if there's any place in my life where honor is lacking, reveal it to me. Because I know that I'm a child of your kingdom. I have promises given by you to me. And I honor you above all. In every one that I know, I will show honor. In Jesus' name.